MSW Media. Thanks to Thrive Cosmetics for supporting the Daily Beans. Get luxury, high-performance cosmetics that highlight your best features. For every purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Go to thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 45% off their best-selling products when you purchase select holiday sets. And a big thank you to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Today, Senator Raphael Warnock has won another six-year Senate term in the Georgia runoff election. More classified documents have been found at a storage facility in West Palm Beach. Rudy Giuliani associate Andre Durkacz has been indicted for money laundering. The gunman in the Colorado Springs mass shooting at an LGBTQ plus nightclub is facing 305 charges, including hate crimes. And Germany arrests dozens of far-right Reichsburgers in a plot to overthrow the government. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Probably one of the more interesting combinations of news stories that I've I, seen. In- <laughs> I would have to say it's like a Mad Lib of news stories where we just sort of filled in some nouns and verbs and some other <laughs> nouns. Yeah. So, hey, um, I was watching the election results last night. Got a little hairy there for a minute, but yeah. uh, Warnock pulled it off. He pulled it out. I'm just still shocked that over a million fucking people voted for, I'm trying to be kind, but that man, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we know it's all about power and not the candidate. Yeah. And uh, of course, Laura Ingram on Fox News yesterday, I'm pissed. You know, well, <laughs> don't be a dumbass. You know, shit. <laughs> you know, just, you know, obviously pick better candidates. Um and uh, yeah, I'm sure Trump didn't help either. So I guess after all was said and done and all the dust has settled, that means that J.D. Vance, I think, was the only Trump candidate who won anything. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, when we think about the fact that the runoff is over now, that leaves the door open for Fonnie Willis to yes. go f- full steam ahead. Also, later in the show, I'm going to be talking with Brandon Wolf, absolute amazing national treasure person. He's a Pulse nightclub shooting survivor, LGBTQ plus advocate, gun violence prevention advocate, writes for the Drew Project, and he's the press secretary for Equality Florida. We're going to be talking about those 305 charges, including hate crimes. We're going to talk about Pulse. We're going to talk about what's happening in North Carolina with the uh, terrorist attack there and, and just in general what the hate speech is, is doing to this country. And so it's absolutely an incredible conversation and I hope uh, everybody listens. So we do have other news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Top story, Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock defeated Republican challenger Herschel Walker in a Georgia runoff election Tuesday. That means he's won this thing four times. Like how many times do you have to win to win? And this ensures Democrats have an outright majority in the Senate for the rest of Joe Biden's current term. And they say capping a, quote, underwhelming midterm cycle for the GOP, I'll say, in the last major vote of the year. With Warnock's second runoff victory, in as many years, Democrats will have 51 seats 
in the majority in the Senate, that gaining a seat from the current 50-50 split with Fetterman's victory in Pennsylvania. There will be a divided government, however, with Republicans having narrowly flipped the House control. And, uh, quote, after a hard-fought campaign, or should I say campaigns, it's my honor to utter the four most powerful words ever spoken in a democracy. The people have spoken. That was uh, Raphael Warnock as he spoke to jubilant supporters who packed a downtown Atlanta hotel ballroom. And my favorite quote was when he said, quote, to my mother, who is here tonight. She grew up in the 1950s in Waycross, Georgia, picking somebody else's cotton and somebody else's tobacco. But tonight she helped pick her youngest son to be a United States senator. Oh, boy, that got me. I know. When I'm not even in the good news yet. And I just started tearing up. (laughs) Yeah, me too. In last month's election, Warnock led Walker by 37,000 votes out of almost 4 million, but he fell short of the 50% threshold needed to avoid the runoff. The senator appeared to be headed for a wider final margin on Tuesday's runoff with Walker, the football guy from the University of Georgia and the NFL. He was unable to overcome a bevy of damaging allegations, including claims he paid for two former girlfriends' abortions, despite supporting a national ban on the procedure. And had you just been a Democrat or a regular person and supported abortions, those would be cool stories and wouldn't work against you. (laughs) Totally. They'd be like, well, you know what? He's walking the walk. To me, it was the domestic violence that probably, oh, yeah, you know, was a bigger problem. Quote, the numbers look like they're not going to add up. Walker, an ally and friend of former President Trump, told supporters late Thursday at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. There's no excuses in life, and I'm not going to make any excuses now because we put up one heck of a fight. Walker's defeat bookends the GOP's struggles this year to win with flawed candidates cast from Trump's mold. A blow to the former president as he builds his third White House bid ahead of 2024, which in three weeks, I mean, his tax returns have been handed over. He got his butt handed to him in the 11th Circuit, (laughs) raining subpoenas from special counsel investigations. I mean, he he was 17 counts (laughs) against his business new life in the Manhattan DA's investigation into him. I mean, quite a first three weeks of any presidential run. Democrats' new outright majority means the party will no longer have to negotiate a power-sharing deal with Mitch McConnell and won't have to rely on Kamala Harris to break as many tie votes. National Democrats celebrated Tuesday, including myself, with Biden tweeting a photo of his congratulatory phone call to the senator, quote, Georgia voters stood up for democracy, rejected ultra-MAGAism, and sent a good man back to the Senate. Biden tweeted referencing Trump's Make America Great Again slogan. So good. I'm so glad that worked out the way it did. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, and, and we didn't have to wake up the next morning to an insurrection. Oh, my. No kidding. All right. AG, police have arrested at least 25 people tied to an alleged right wing extremist plot to overthrow Germany's government. Now, the group targeted in about 130 raids across Germany was described by prosecutors as being influenced by QAnon conspiracy theories and espousing a doctrine similar to that of far-right groups in the U.S. and across Europe. Germany's federal prosecutor general is now investigating the suspected right-wing terror group, which calls itself Reichsberger, for allegedly planning an attack on the Bundestag, Germany's parliament, as part of a violent coup to overthrow the government. Yeah, I gave, I gave you the German story. I was just Let me like, know. <laughs> she just gave the Jew all of these German words to pronounce that sound super Holocausty. So I'm just going to get through the story. <laughs> Let me know if you need, if you yep. need an assist on you any of these. <laughs> got it. Happy to. Uh, yeah, if I uh, mispronounce any of these people, please don't send in a correction. The investigator's trail, I earned it. The investigator's trail leads to 
a member of a former Germany royal family as purported figurehead and a former parliamentarian from the far-right AFD political party and a particularly concern to the investigators to former members of the German military special forces. Mm. Now, current members of Germany's special security services struck in the early hours of Wednesday morning in what was a potential dangerous series of raids. Now, forces stormed apartments across the country, executing 25 arrest warrants and launching extensive searches. While only 25 people were detained, the federal prosecutor's office has accused around 50 men and women of forming a terrorist organization with the intent of eliminating the constitutional order of the Federal Republic of Germany and establishing a new state modeled on the German Reich of 1871. The group stands accused of planning to storm the Reichstag or Parliament building as part of a wave of attacks aimed at precipitating civil war-like conditions in Germany. It also allegedly planned to attack the national power grid and to depose the federal government and take power by force. Does any of this sound familiar, people? Sounds a little familiar. A little familiar. The prosecutor's office said the group had already selected members to fill important ministerial posts in the new regime. They had already decided who they're going to appoint from the moment of this, quote, takeover. Investigators have described the operation against the group as unprecedented in Germany and, quote, beyond all dimensions in terms of scope. This was fucking huge. Because a significant number of groups of alleged members are former soldiers of the German armed forces, including special forces, it's been treated as a particularly dangerous organization. Investigators had indications before the raids that the suspects were armed with a variety of weapons, some of which were legally owned. Given the security concerns, in addition to task forces from the Federal Police Anti-Terrorism Unit, GSG-9, officers from several special forces, the SEK, of the German states were also deployed to carry out the arrest and ensure security during searches. A total of about 3,000 security forces carried out the raids. Wow. Yeah, the central figure of the group is Heinrich Roos, who calls himself Prince Heinrich the 13th. He's the, I know, he's the scion of a long established but minor German royal household from what is now Thuring- Thuring- Thuringia. Yeah, I don't know that one. Okay. I think I'm doing okay up till now. And that's in Eastern Germany. Now, the 71-year-old has publicly advocated his Reichsburger thesis for several years, which suggests the modern German state is illegitimate and that the old royal lineage from the 19th century must be restored to power. Yeah, well, particularly explosive was the allegation that the group intended to install, as the head of a new National Justice Department, the former AFD member of the Bundestag who's Birgit Balsack Winkenman. Birgit Malsack. Did I call him Balsack? I think he deserves it. <laughs> Birgit Malsack Winkenman. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That is a woman. She has worked as a judge in Berlin since leaving the Bundestag last year. I feel crazy right now. Previous attempts by the Berlin Re- Regional Senate to have her removed as a judge due to the very anti-democratic and other political statements she has made from the bench, they've all failed. Mm. So the corruption is so deep in these governments, and it is crazy how this is mirroring, or we're mirroring them, or they're mirroring us, but either way, there's a lot in common with these two situations. Yeah, so she's like the, she's like that Judge Eileen Cannon of the, of the <laughs> former, of the, formerly of the Bundestag. There you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's a lot of similarities playing out there. And more classified documents have been found, Dana. More. This time in a storage facility in West Palm Beach. From CNN, quote, two documents with classified markings were found in a Florida storage unit during a search by a team hired by the former president's lawyers 
according to a person familiar with the situation who spoke to CNN. Those documents were handed over to the FBI. No other documents with classified markings were found during a search of four of Trump's properties, the sources said. The discovery of the documents was first reported by the Washington Post and kind of sloppily, it was a Devlin Barrett special. The team of two searched Trump Tower in New York, the Bedminster Golf Club and two other properties amid lingering concerns from the Justice Department that not all documents had been returned to the government. The four searches, which were carried out in recent weeks, were overseen by Trump's legal team, according to a source familiar. So, yeah, totally trustworthy. His name is Jim Trusty. <laughs> Trump's attorneys offered to let federal investigators observe the search at Bedminster, but that offer was declined because that's like unconstitutional. <laughs> Trump's lawyers did not make a similar offer to search other properties. Now, CNN previously reported exclusively that Trump's legal team was considering allowing federal agents to search Mar-a-Lago again to satisfy justice demands that all sensitive government documents were returned. The matter was addressed in a court proceeding this fall where the Justice Department asked Judge Beryl Howe to issue an order compelling the Trump team to arrange for another search. So this isn't Trump being all cooperative and transparent. We had to get a judge's order to do this. And I have a lot of questions about this for Andy McCabe on the next You Don't Know Jack Smith pod on Sunday. Sounds great. I noticed the little change in the name, AG. Well done. And this last story, the Justice Department has charged a Russian spy who fed Rudy Giuliani bogus dirt on the Biden family with money laundering over his alleged attempt to secretly buy two luxury Beverly Hills condos. Andriy Durkach, a Ukrainian member of parliament who the Trump administration accused of being, quote, an active Russian agent for over a decade, allegedly used a shell corporation to hide his ownership of the condos and move the $4 million used to buy them. And this is according to this criminal complaint. And, quote, while participating in scripted Russian disinformation campaigns seeking to undermine U.S. institutions, Durkach simultaneously conspired to fraudulently benefit from a Western lifestyle for himself and his family in the United States. This is from Assistant U.S. Attorney Michael J. Driscoll. He said that in a press release accompanying those charges. Well, the Trump administration sanctioned Durkach shortly before the 2020 election on the grounds that he was, quote, an active Russian agent for over a decade who had, quote, waged a covert influence campaign centered on cultivating false and unsubstantiated narratives to influence the presidential election. Mm -hmm. Durkach featured prominently in efforts by Rudy Giuliani to spread bogus conspiracy theories that former Vice President Joe Biden pressuring Ukraine to commit anti-corruption measures was a secret plot to quash a criminal investigation of Burisma, a Ukrainian company where we cannot stop hearing about, where Biden's son Hunter served as a board member. Giuliani publicly met Durkacz during a 2019 trip to Ukraine, where the then-Trump lawyer was soliciting dirt about the Bidens in anticipation of the upcoming presidential election. Well, Durkacz also cozied up to the congressional Republicans by sending packages of alleged Biden dirt to Chuck Grassley, Ron Johnson, Devin Nunes, U.S. intelligence and fellow lawmakers repeatedly warned lawmakers that Durkacz had ties to Russian intelligence and was seeking to undermine the election, making some Republicans skittish about embracing the Ukrainian politician. But Giuliani was undeterred because he likes to cozy up to criminals. Federal prosecutors in the U.S. charged Durkacz with seven counts of money laundering, bank fraud, and sanctions evasion charges, but he's unlikely to make an appearance in a U.S. court anytime soon. Durkacz appears to have fled to Ukraine following a series of criminal investigations of him by prosecutors and intelligence agencies in Kiev earlier this year. Now, in June, Ukrainian intelligence claimed that Durkacz was an agent of the Russian military's intelligence service who had plotted with Moscow 
to use private security companies to assist with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In October, Ukraine's anti-corruption court ordered the oligarch detained on charges that he accepted over a half a million dollars in payments from Russian intelligence, but noted that he remains a wanted fugitive. Wow. He was on my fantasy indictment team for a very long time, Andre Derkach. Now he's on the run. Now he's on the lam. He's fled Ukraine. No one knows where he is. And thanks to Adam Ronsley at Rolling Stone for that story. Seriously, good reporting. All right, we'll be right back with Brandon Wolf to discuss the Colorado gunman who now faces 305 charges in the mass shooting of a Colorado Springs LGBTQ nightclub. You don't want to miss this interview. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. This holiday season is all about giving, and giving gifts from places that support nonprofits and charitable organizations feels even better. This season, if you give gifts that give back, with 45% off Thrive Cosmetics holiday sets for a limited time, you'll be doing just that. Thrive Cosmetics makes high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. There's no parabens, no sulfates, no phthalates, and everything is certified 100% vegan and 100% cruelty-free. I love so many of their products. Their Instant Brow Fix Gel helps my eyebrows stay in top shape. It is far better than the product I used to own. And they have many products to thrill you and the people you're shopping for. Products like their Brilliant Eye Brightener, This cream-to-powder highlighter stick brightens and opens your eyes, giving you an instant eye lift. It's amazing. You can use it as an eyeshadow, too. It's a perfect daytime glow. Or use the metallic shades for an easy, smoky eye. Or they have their Sheer Strength Hydrating Lip Tint. I love this stuff. Comes in six universally flattering shades. Deeply hydrates your lips with a hint of tint that applies evenly and lasts for six hours. While the products are phenomenal, that's not even my favorite part. It's the mission that resonates with us at The Beans. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help communities thrive. They have over 300 giving partners across the country supporting numerous causes, including causes that help women with cancer, homelessness, or who are experiencing domestic violence. So celebrate the season of giving and try Thrive Cosmetics today. Right now, you can get up to 45% off their best-selling products when you purchase select holiday sets by visiting thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans. That's Thrive Cosmetics, spelled C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash dailybeans to start shopping for the holiday sets. Everybody, welcome back. I am very happy to be joined today by this is somebody who I saw on MSNBC after the Club Q shooting. And I was so moved by what he had to say. He's an LGBTQ advocate, gun violence prevention advocate. He writes for the Drew Project. He's the press secretary for Equality Florida. And he's a Pulse nightclub, the Florida Pulse nightclub shooting survivor. Please welcome Brandon Wolf. Hi, Brandon. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I was so moved by what you had to say about how you're angry about all of the things that are happening with regard to these terrorist attacks and the hate speech against the LGBTQ community yeah. and others as well. And I wanted to really talk to you today because some, I think some things were moving forward and we're moving backward kind of at the same time. And I wanted to get your take on a few things. And, and first of all, Talk a little bit about the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. You're part of Equality Florida. Talk about yeah. that organization and what's going on in, in Florida right now. Yeah, thanks for for starting there because it is, you know, while it's a frightening time to be an LGBTQ person in this country at large, it's an especially frightening time to be LGBTQ in the state of Florida. And that is because our governor, Ron DeSantis, and his right-wing allies have become synonymous with this crusade against LGBTQ people across the country. Now, you know, by now, I think the the House Bill 1557, the Don't Say Gay Law, is pretty infamous around the country. 
But for those that aren't aware, Equality Florida is an organization that's been around for 25 years. It was started in the Jeb Bush administration. And until 2021, we were successful in stopping every piece of explicitly anti-LGBTQ policy that came through the state capitol. That ended with the ban on transgender kids participating in sports. And at the time, the right wing was, you know, oh, we're just really concerned about women's sports. We suddenly have this passion for protecting equality in sports, but it's really not anything more than that. And at that time, as that bill was careening toward the finish line in the governor's desk, we warned people that right wing extremism targeting trans and non-binary people was a serious threat, not just to Florida, but to the country, that it was not about women's sports that it was not about one particular policy or issue, that it was part of their larger strategy to impose violent control on people via you know, marginalized communities like black and brown folks, uh, the trans and non-binary community. So flash forward to 2022, when House Bill 1557 was introduced. It's a bill, it's now a law that, that prohibits classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity from grades K through three in Florida and restricts that education or, or instruction from grades four through 12. I wanna give you a really salient example of why it is so toxic. In second grade in Florida, students are required to complete the family tree project. Now that's when you get a little cutout, cartoon cutout of a tree, you draw your family members on each branch and you get to do a presentation about your family. The second grader comes in and says, on this branch are my two moms. Sometimes we go out for ice cream on the weekend. Another student says, well, that's weird. You can't have two moms. Where's your dad? The moment a teacher steps in and says, families, whether they have two moms, two dads, or otherwise, are of as much value as anyone else's in this classroom, that teacher has now technically instructed on sexual orientation in that classroom, a second grade classroom. And so it's had the chilling effect that, that we've been able to see across the state of Florida. Books with LGBTQ characters are being banned. We've seen teachers being told to put family photos away in their desks. We've seen rainbow safe space stickers being peeled from classroom windows. We saw Miami-Dade County Public Schools refuse to recognize LGBTQ History Month. And at the same time, all of that policy, all of that rhetoric, questioning the very humanity of LGBTQ people has seeped into the, the dialogue around Florida and around the country. It was Governor DeSantis's office who first revived this old groomer trope, insisting that uh, LGBTQ people are complicit in pedophilia or pose a threat to children simply because we exist. It was his office that did that to try to get House Bill 1557 over the finish line. So for me, in many ways, Florida, the don't say gay law, the ban on trans kids participating in sports, and now all of these other state agency assaults on LGBTQ people, they're a warning of what's to come if we don't challenge right-wing extremism, if we don't meet it head-on, if we don't call it what it is, if we stop playing into their talking points and, and allowing them to write the script uh, along the way, if we don't challenge right-wing extremism and call it what it is, we are at risk of not just having a Florida problem or not just having a an Alabama problem or an Ohio problem, but a national crisis around LGBTQ rights, around democracy, around voting rights, uh, and ultimately this battle between authoritarian figures like DeSantis and the rest of us who believe that a democracy is a system worth protecting.
Yeah, absolutely. And 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 some of the things that are, are coming around, I think, to bite DeSantis in the ass now, because we know in April, the legislators in Tallahassee wanted to dissolve Walt Disney's 55-year-old special tax district. And that was after Disney and the CEO, Bob Chapik, objected to DeSantis's move to prohibit teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity to students in kindergarten through third grade. And they were just recently in court forced to define what woke meant right. as far as their anti-woke thing. And what DeSantis's lawyers said was woke means it would be a belief that there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them as though that were something bad. And, and I tweeted out a thread. I was like, go on a journey with me here. I believe that folks like DeSantis think that white Christian cis men are being oppressed and there are systemic injustices in America against them. Mm -hmm. Would that then make them woke if that's what woke means? Or is that just a word they apply to other people? And I would really like to kind of have Ron DeSantis go down that path with me to the ultimate question, why are some people woke and you're not, if you believe there are systemic injustices against right. you that need to be addressed in this country. What do you? What are your thoughts on on that? Well, it's interesting. I, I would be interesting in the thought exercise. Interested in the thought exercise because the mental gymnastics that DeSantis is willing and able to do on a daily basis to make these things fit together, it, it's it's honestly pretty remarkable. He is a graduate of both Harvard and Yale, and so he's very good at twisting himself in rhetorical knots to get what he is looking for. I will say this about the definition of woke that was provided by the governor's office. That might be the first time I've ever heard them straight up tell the truth that yes, indeed, <laughs> being woke is to acknowledge that there are structural and systemic injustices in this country and that fixing them isn't going to be an accident. We actually have to do intentional work to make this country make good on its promise of equality and justice for all people. And by the way, in saying that, you also have to consider uh, what the governor's position on woke really is, because he's fond of saying at these right wing conferences that Florida is where woke goes to die. So if Ron DeSantis believes that woke, as his legal team says, is the awareness of systemic injustice and the belief that we have to do something to fix it, then Ron DeSantis also believes that Florida is the place where awareness of systemic injustice and the will to do something about it is also the place where that goes to die. So, you know, I, I think DeSantis is telling on himself a little bit here. And I also think what you're what you're hearing from his office is this divergence of strategy. DeSantis uses the term woke as a pejorative in the public. He uses it as an insult. It's a very thinly veiled insult, as you said, toward others, toward black and brown folks, toward LGBTQ folks, toward people who believe that that we should have autonomy over our own bodies. Anything that DeSantis disagrees with is woke. But in the court of law, where they actually have to tell the truth because they're trying to win a court case, they're forced to be honest about what woke actually means. And I wonder if that won't pose a problem to either their legal strategy or their political strategy down the road. Yeah, we tend not to be able to engage in any kind of thoughtful back and forth conversations uh, about those sort of things. So I don't think I could take him down that <laughs> rabbit hole with That's me. That's by design. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because he doesn't think there are systemic injustices in America. 
to which my question would be to him, so you as a white male Christian cishet guy are not being oppressed then? There's no systemic injustices. Is that correct? Because that is, again, where he, that's how you would take him down that. He would just, he would spout back with some bullshit. But probably <laughs> that would be the conversation that I would want to have with a, uh, you know, a law school graduate. Something else I wanted to ask you about, moving on to what we've just learned today in the news. And I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. The shooter in the Club Q massacre, domestic act of domestic terrorism, is now facing a 305 counts. And you know, I'll just read the lead for you here. The suspected gunman accused of killing five people at the LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado, has been formally charged with 305 counts, including charges of first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, assault, and hate crimes mm. causing bodily injury or bias-motivated crimes causing bodily injury. Another step forward, I wanted to know what your top-line thoughts were with this. 305 charges is a lot. Yeah. And I, I imagine that this person is facing the rest of, of their life behind bars. What what are your thoughts on on these charges? Well, my my thoughts initially are with those who are directly impacted. You know, it's it's so hard in these moments because, uh, you know, to some degree, um, there is a feeling of of justice served, you know, and and I know that there are family members and and those who are impacted who are going to be watching the the court case closely. And at the same time, it it doesn't change the fact that your loved one is gone. It doesn't change the fact that an entire community is shattered. Um, and it doesn't help put the pieces back together. So, you know, I, I probably need time to process what all of these charges mean and how I'm sitting with it. But my heart just goes out to the people who are directly impacted, who, you know, are re-traumatized today because the person who stole their loved one is once again in the news. I know that's been really difficult. It was difficult for us when uh, the Pulse nightclub shooter's wife was going through legal proceedings and we had to see her face and her name all of the time. And I'm just thinking about that community that's going to go through a really challenging and complicated time, you know, as they as they try to put the pieces back together. We you know, we've implemented things like hate crimes law to try to give people more recourse uh, in situations that are very clearly motivated by bias against them because of who they are. But, you know, this person being charged with a hate crime isn't actually going to help us address the systemic and structural bigotry that is being whipped up and weaponized against LGBTQ people. So what I'm hoping for in the days, months and weeks and beyond to, to, to come is that we have a real conversation about accountability that we have a real conversation in this country about holding people accountable for the vile and toxic rhetoric they have spewed into our communities. I'm looking at you, Tucker Carlson. I'm looking at you, Ron DeSantis. I'm looking at you, Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. These people who've been willing to traffic in some of the most disgusting language about marginalized people so they can get more clicks online or send another fundraising email and pour more right-wing dollars into their coffers. Those people have faced zero accountability for the danger they are putting LGBTQ people, especially LGBTQ young people in every single day. And I want us as a country to have a real conversation about what accountability for these folks looks like and where our boundaries actually are as a society. If we believe that LGBTQ people's lives matter, then we need to have a conversation about what we will and will not accept in the public discourse anymore. Um, I think for me, that's that's the next step 
toward talking about real justice for those who were stolen from us in in Club Q. Yeah, because that structural bigotry, that hate speech, that, uh, that you know, for clicks and views and likes or anger emojis, which we know has more weight right. on Facebook than a like or a love emoji. We're seeing it. We're seeing the reality of that play out in our neighborhoods. Uh, before I hit record to talk to you, I was telling you about my friends who own and run bars here in the community, and they're having to install metal detectors and do wanding and, you know, we have to all show out in force to protect a, a drag bingo brunch. Right. Um, you know, just people living their everyday lives. And it's that we have to take these steps is, I think, a product of that systemic bigotry and hate speech. And now we're looking at what has happened in North Carolina, this act of terrorism. Yeah which seems so I, I don't think that they've uh, officially connected it to the to the drag show uh, in Moore County, but we are seeing it all around us. And it's just so that's not freedom, right? That's not freedom. And they're supposed to be the party of freedom. Yeah, they tell us they are. Ron DeSantis calls Florida the freest state in the nation. But the question is free for who? You know, I had a um, an interview the other day. I didn't know I was stumbling into a debate on Italian national cable television with the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. I thought I was just going on to do a little debate. And here I am alongside Tina Deskovich, a right wing extremist that has staged a hostile takeover of school boards across this country. I've been ambushed like that, too. They have to ambush they you. They to. can't get you they in. Have, yeah, I probably would have said no. It was the day before Thanksgiving and I was not in any emotional state to be in a debate. But there I found myself in this debate. And I got a question, which was, don't you think your work is extreme? Don't you think your work at Equality Florida, your work for LGBTQ civil rights could be seen by some as radical? And the question I posed back to Tina and the question I would offer to anyone on the right who, who claims to be a harbinger of freedom is freedom for who exactly? Does does the word freedom actually mean anything to you? Does the name Moms for Liberty as an organization actually mean anything at all? Because if it did, then that would mean freedom for LGBTQ people to live in this country free of discrimination and violence. Freedom would mean I could go to the grocery store without being afraid that I would come face to face with a barrel of an AR-15 one aisle over from the apples and oranges. Freedom looks like sending your kids to school and having the right for them to see their family respected and treated with the dignity that they deserve. Freedom is being able to live alongside our neighbors without having to tiptoe around and shave the edges of our identities that make them the least comfortable. Freedom and liberty are supposed to be for everyone. And so my question to Tina, and again, my question to the right wing at large is, is it really liberty or is it liberty and freedom for only your supporters to impose their beliefs on everyone else? That's the real question we have to be asking right now, because it doesn't feel very free for me right now when even the safest spaces, the bars that I have carved out because nowhere else was safe for me, even those bars are now under siege. That is not freedom for marginalized people. That is not freedom for LGBTQ young people who want to know that the world is gonna be better tomorrow than it was yesterday. We gotta have a real conversation about what freedom really means in this country. Wow, thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Can you tell everyone where to find and follow Equality for Florida, Drew Project, and you on social media so that they can 
you know, stay in tune with, with the work that you're doing and, and, and support it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on social media everywhere. Personally, let's keep the conversation going. I'm at B Joe Wolf on Twitter and post now. I am at Brandon J. Wolf on Instagram. I have TikTok. I'm not very good at that. Uh, you can find Equality Florida at Equality FL everywhere. And then the Drew Project is at the Drew Project online. I encourage you to check us out everywhere. And, and again, it's about keeping the conversation going for me. You know, I think about the LGBTQ civil rights movement throughout history. People didn't pick up bricks at Stonewall and throw them because they thought that liberation was coming the next day. People didn't put their bodies on the line during the HIV and AIDS crisis thinking that a cure was coming next week. People didn't stand on courthouse steps holding hands and saying love is love, thinking that marriage equality was just a few hours away. They did those things because they believed they were worth fighting for, and they believed that a better future was possible, even if they didn't see the fruits of their labor. So we've got a lot of work to do. I'm in that fight all the way, and I encourage folks to engage with me. We're in the fight together. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. My nights have become so much better since I got my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that. Everyone sleeps differently. They know that, too. And that's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. They have models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. They have models with more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. And if your spine needs some tender love and care, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's the perfect combo of comfort and support. I took the online Helix sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I wanted something medium firm and I sleep on my side. Not only is it the best mattress I've ever slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. And I want to tell you about something I use first thing in the morning, every morning, and it was the easiest habit ever to pick up. I started taking AG1 by Athletic Greens because I wanted an optimized immune system, a healthy gut, and I was tired of having 26 million different supplements taking up huge amounts of cabinet space and costing me a small fortune. With just one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it tastes amazing. That's why I take it even when I go traveling. It's just that good. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support right now. They're offering a, few, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Your subscription will come with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in these winter months when we don't get as much sunlight, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your morning latte. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and it's delicious. That's it. No need for those million different pills and supplements taking up your cabinet space. And it's, so, it's just so much easier to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone.
good news, good news. And if you have any good news or confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt or Find the Cat, you want to give a shout out to somebody you love, anything you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. First up from Allison. Great name, pronoun she and her. Hey, Beans Queens, greetings from the great state of Georgia. I'm a recent member to the Beans and I have a funny story to share. I was listening to your podcast in the car one day with my teenage son and he said, Mom, why are those ladies talking so fast? I said, I don't know. It's how they always sound. He grabbed my phone and told me I'd been listening to you on one, 1. 1.5 times speed. Oh, my, oh my God. God. He changed the speed and now you all sound so slow. <laughs> you should try it at half speed, Allison. We sound drunk. I love the pod discussions about the fuckery in our politics. Here's a picture of me and my son at the beach this summer. He is always thoroughly annoyed at my selfie taking. And a picture of me and my 83-year-old mom after we voted in the Senate runoff election. Even though I have lived in Georgia for 20 years, I was born and brought up in the very red state of Indiana. Much to the chagrin of my entire family, I've always been the blue sheep and never voted like my parents wanted until now. I have to laugh because my mother never votes Democrat, but this year she said she couldn't bring herself to vote for someone who can't string a sentence together. She cracks me up. Keep up the amazing work, helping keep us all informed with the ever-changing fabric of our democracy. Oh, how nice. What a happy-looking fam. I know, right? Joy. There's joy coming out of these pictures. Thank you so so much for that. All right. This is from Robin. Pronouns she and her. Hello, beans, queens. I'm so happy with... uh Uh-oh. I know. I'm so happy with all the good news lately. And now that the 11th Circuit finally cut Trump down to size a little, I'm even happier. My good news is that my baby turns 18 this weekend. I'm sending a photo of her at nine months old, though, so Dana can have her baby fix. Thank you, Robin. Also, here's a pet tax pic of Pip wearing a prototype hat I crocheted in hopes that I could create all kinds of fun hats. Unfortunately, he hated the hat. So thus ended my creative endeavor. In addition, I have a great misheard song lyrics example. 30 years ago, I was a preschool teacher supervising kids on the yard. There was this one little girl on the swings, just swinging away, going as high as she could and singing at the top of her lungs. I've been working, I've been working on the railroad all the goddamn day. I've been working on the railroad all the goddamn day. It still makes me giggle to this day. Oh, God, the baby's so cute. Happy 18th birthday around there, too. That is a precious baby. And look at the dog hat. That's hilarious. So good. (laughs) So cute. Hi, Pip. Thanks for that submission. Next up from John, pronouns he and him. Hi, Beans Queens. My good news is to celebrate my partner. I'm super proud of her. She is a doctor and completed... 12 years of continuous education and training, yikes, got published and accepted a faculty position, achieving her dream of medical academia. I never paid pet tax before, so I'm catching up on overdue taxes and interest. I think it will be the easiest what the mutt you've ever had. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with Goldie. (laughs) Oh, look at the puppy. (laughs) I know. Freaking puppy's adorable. I can smell the puppy breath. Oh, look at the yawning puppy at the end. Yeah, I can smell the puppy breath from here and the... I like oh, the little hedgehog. So cute. Thank you for these so much. All right. This one's from Lydia. She, her. Good news. Hey, Beans Queens. My name is Lydia, and my husband, Dale, got me listening to your podcast. He's a great guy, and his birthday is today. Happy birthday, mm. Dale. He keeps the house running with so many chores. I could not do life without him. He has had a lot of unfulfilling jobs in his life, but he finally has one that he enjoys and is moving up the ladder. I'm so proud of him. The pick I've included is our family Halloween costume. The Belcher family from Bob's Burgers. Oh my God, this is so good. Keep doing the good work. Justice is so good to see the news, but it's slow, like you say. Thank you for all you do. <laughs> this is a great 
family costume. That's outstanding. Lydia, you look awesome. So great. Happy birthday, Dale. Thank God. She and her husband look fantastic. Yes, perfect. All right, Danielle, pronoun she and her. Thank you again for helping me stay sane. You hear that a lot, but I hope you know how important and necessary your work is. A couple of months ago, I told you my good news was the hope I had after working the primary in my two red Ohio County. Well, the midterm didn't have a great outcome, but turnout at my location was inspiring. And for the first time in who knows how long, all of the tax levies passed. That's a big deal here. For pet tax, the last time I mentioned my asshole old man Norman. So here's a pic of him being adorable, which mostly happens when he's asleep because at about 18 years old, he doesn't have a single fuck left. (laughs) And everybody needs a chunky meathead and a babushka. This is my little brother, Bud, 90 pounds of love. And he's too delicate for the chilly weather, so he gets his own coat and scarf to wait for the bus. And for anyone looking to support a woman-owned small business and help support shelter animals, here's a link to a Facebook post for Bree, B-R-E-E, Bree Happy Designs. Four years ago, I fostered my first litter of puppies, and Bree and her husband adopted one of them. Last year, she took the plunge and left her job to pursue her dream, and I've tried to promote her wherever I can. One of the designs for shelter donations is below. Happy verdict week, and hopefully a wonderful indictment season. Oh, baby. An 18-year-old baby. <laughs> the dog. So good. So oh, good. These shirts are great. Okay, so let me get that again. It's uh, Bree Happy Designs. B-R-E-E. Nice job. All right. This is from Tucker Pronouns. He and him. Hello, glorious gals. On your most recent episode, you read a heartbreaking email from someone who lost their beloved pupper. And I wanted to send you something that could help you ease the anguish we all feel whenever we lose a beloved pet or hear about someone losing theirs, because there really are few things worse than such a thing happening. And it's not so much the adorable smiling face of my little orange podcasting buddy in this picture below, but his name. You see, whenever I call the vet to schedule an appointment for him and I mention his name to the person who answers the phone, I almost always hear them (laughs) laugh and faceplant on their desk. And he's such a loving little guy that I'm sure he'd be thrilled to know he's been able to ease the sadness of people. His name is Professor Fuzznuts. Junior. Apparently there <laughs> was a, a senior. Yep. Professor Fuzznuts Jr. So feel name drop him whenever you're feeling sad. Professor Fuzznuts Jr. He is adorable. Look, he's he really smiling. Is. Hello. That's a happy kitty. Are are you, Tucker? Are you Professor Fuzznuts Sr.? <laughs> oh my God. That is something I do not need to know, dear. <laughs> it was it, you know, begs the question. All right. Thank you so much for sending in your good news. You can do that at where do we go? Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. <laughs> that's that's a good place. Yeah. That that would probably be the best place <laughs> to send in so. good news. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. I have an incredible interview tomorrow with the White House National Climate Advisor. His name is Ali Zaidi. And uh, I was I'm so honored that uh, I get to speak with him and, and he'll be here on tomorrow's show. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No final thoughts for today. All right, everybody. Uh, should we still do vote blue over Q? I mean, I think we should just do that forever, right? I mean, might as well. It feels weird without it. Why? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Everybody, until tomorrow, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Please, until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I'm AG. And I'm in DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane. 
with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>